Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlightened is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centres of excellence. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 20 of the One Small Change podcast. On today's episode, we have Mr. Toby Huntington-Whiteley, male model, celebrity fitness trainer, and founder of the new sustainable supplement brand, HW Labs. As a model, Toby's graced the covers of Elle and John magazine. He's frequently featured in the pages of GQ and has starred in campaigns for Giacomo and Christopher Cowan. Toby has a passion for fitness and is one of London's most in-demand personal trainers. Previously working at one of the city's leading boxing studios, Cobox, he now delivers online and physical personal training through his popular platform, HW Fitness. HW Labs, Toby's uh, latest venture, is a sustainable supplement brand designed to take the guesswork out of nutrition. And I've personally tested their their latest product, uh, which is the gummies, fortified with vitamins and, and antioxidants, and they are... Very addictive, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll get into uh, into the workings behind that that latest venture, uh, I'm sure, in the discussion today. So Toby, how are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction, Simon. It's an absolute pleasure to be to be on here with you. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on, mate. It's great to have you on. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong uh, GQ fan myself. I, I get the subscription every week. So uh, I, I frequently yeah, see you. See you with with many of our other. Um, I, I've started to realise that I've been picking off all of the usual suspects for this podcast. We've had Richard Badu, we've had Jim Chapman. Yeah, um, uh, you guys are often seen. Uh, I think uh, standing next to each other, enjoying these uh, events that we used to have pre-COVID. <laughs> I know it's all about like a kind of a rat pack of the men's kind of social kind of scene of of the men's fashion but yeah it's been really yeah. really really sad yeah I'm, i haven't seen those guys in gone nearly nearly a year now you know it's it's is, is it we're june no we're not june june usually is men's fashion week and we haven't had it this year or last year and then same for for the winter ones it's kind of just disappeared so it's been a real shame that all the all the fun stuff has kind of disappeared for the last 18 months now it's really really sad yeah, absolutely. Well, ho- hopefully, Sept- I think September's the next one, right? So hopefully by then we'll, yeah. we'll see, see something. Yeah, September is never, it's not the massive, not the men's there. Men's has never really ran September. There's okay. always what was great September was the, it was the GQ, GQ Men of the Year Awards, which is September. Right. Yeah. Um, which hopefully, hopefully that will be on again. But you never know. You never we'll know if it's see. all we'll going to be. See. Yeah. How, so, so you're in Paris at the moment. How, how, how are things out there? Paris is good. We have just, today is the first day out of lockdown, which is great. So the curfew, we still have a curfew. So it's curfew at nine till 9pm. So we've got to be at home before nine. And then I think, I'm not sure if the shops, I haven't walked around today. The shop, not all shops are open, but a few of the restrictions are being released now. We're kind of, I suppose, two or three weeks behind you guys in the UK. Yeah, yeah, we just we just had another restriction uh well run of restrictions lifted today so we're allowed to cautiously hug our friends today which is um yeah. very very interesting description um what what's what's brought you to paris i know you're a london a london man um previously yeah so so i moved here i moved here. i live here now officially i moved here in september um for business opportunity i'm trying to you know 
get a few things running off the ground here. I can't talk about them too much at the moment, but the stuff I was doing in London, I was based in Cobox, and then due to COVID, uh, I, you know, you know, we were all starting to work from home, and then I took a lot of my clients online just because I couldn't saw them, and that business has gone really, really well. I did a lot of working for Cobox. I'm still kind of working for Cobox a little bit behind the scenes, and there was an opportunity out here for me in Paris and I kind of just jumped on it. I've been living in London, or well, I was living in London since 2013 um, and felt like a felt like a new change. So it was brilliant. And I moved here with my partner as well, which is also, she, and she's also French, which has helped the whole transition and make it a lot, lot easier. Absolutely. How, how is your French? Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really difficult. I'm trying, I took three months lessons when I first got here, kind of a couple of hours a day, and it was going well. But I don't want to use it as an excuse or anything, but I have I have severe dyslexia, so it's very very hard for me want to know English, let alone picking up French. But I'm getting there. What I'm trying to do now is is start on the apps um, and just do a couple of you know, if it's 30, 30 minutes to an hour a day on Duolingo. Um, and just get there, but because of it's been restrictions, I haven't been able to talk to talk to that many people. Yeah, you know, my partner Noah, she's fluent in English. Her family are pretty good at English as well. So I have been kind of getting by with my basic French, but I do need to kind of push that. And the more we get out now, go to restaurants, start ordering food, you start picking up those basic bits, and then I'll be able to kind of kind of build my vocabulary up a little bit more day by day, week by week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't envy you. I've always, I've always struggled with languages myself. It's, uh, I think everyone has specific skills that they're good at. It's not, not been one of mine, unfortunately. But always, always time to, always time to change these things, isn't there? Yeah, I kind of, I still wish the back of my head. I'm just going to go to sleep and then wake up one morning and just like, that's it. It's just done. <laughs> but I think it just, it will just slowly rub off. So, I mean, you, you mentioned that you were in London since 2013. You obviously. I think you're a, you're a country guy to start with. I always like in this podcast to go back to a bit of the origin story. So, why don't you tell us a bit about a bit about your childhood and how, and how you feel that it sort of shaped you and your your outlook on life and, and your business ventures moving forward? So, I grew up in the West Country in Devon, uh, most of my in the countryside, and I grew up on a small holding um, with my mum and dad and my two sisters. and it kind of they grounded us I had a very very humble and grounded kind of upbringing Um, you know went to the local school and you know caught the bus at the top of the lane but what mum and dad was amazing is that we had just all this open space and we had you know we had pigs we had chickens they still do chickens ducks sheep dad's got the most amazing vegetable garden so we were always if you want to tie into my kind of fitness and nutrition kind of side, I was always fed like the most amazing food just because it was homegrown. You know, dad's, dad's vegetable garden was completely organic. The eggs were, you know, free range organics and, and, you know, the sheep and the pigs, they were ours and, you know, they went in the freezer after a few months as well. So we knew where a lot of our produce was coming from and being a West Country kind of boy, you know, rugby is a huge thing down there. And I started playing rugby when I was the age of, age of five um you know i never played football really kicked about with my mates but rugby was my biggest sport until i was about 18 did okay you know not amazingly you know played in the first team at a local club and for school but you know never 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 even thought about being a professional or anything like that but just always loved sport and played you know rugby was my main sport but played kind of anything with a ball tennis and cricket mostly a little bit of swimming here and then but always very active mum was a um mum was a mum was a pt you know she she was a mum but she also kind of dabbled in a few other bits you know she worked uh she worked in jewelry but she also did pt as well um so she was pt taught classes which is those kind of classic kind of early 90s kind of pump pump classes with like with a step or not a step or a little bar yeah you know I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking like the Eric uh, Prids call on me video. Is it like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mum was yeah, mum was in tights up and and all her ladies were as well. You know, it was just it was just a studio and she would just get people to, to do whatever around. she yeah. wanted to for the squats. Yeah, exactly. So you know, fitness and nutrition has always been kind of a massive part of of who I am. Um, 
And I suppose then from there, so I, I lived in the countryside until I was kind of 18. And then I, I went away, f I went away traveling for between university and sixth form. And then when I went to university, you know, I, I needed to pick up a sport, you know, back of my mind, I always thought, oh, I'll just get back into rugby. But after, after my traveling, I was living in, living in uh, East Africa for about six months living off rice and beans and I really was just living off rice and beans like nothing at all we were completely on a budget so you know I was I've probably grown full height by then so yeah so I was very tall and I, I you know I came back like a runner bean I was so so skinny so when I went to university and like looked at you know there's the the freshest kind of fair and then you look at like the rugby clubs and whatever and you go over to the rugby team and you're seeing these other you know six foot guys and they're twice as wide as me and I was like mm, maybe my rugby career is over now because I couldn't get going into it it'd have to maybe go into the gym or whatever if I went on the pitch I'd be snapped in half a little bean pole of myself so I decided to pick up rowing and then I rowed throughout my whole university um, and loved it uh, it was absolutely amazing you know the great thing about university rowing is that everyone there's, there's two options if you've rowed before you go into like the senior squad if you've never rowed before you're put into a separate squad completely so you're put in a, a novice squad um, and you start from scratch which is actually really good for picking up a new sport because everyone else around you is starting from day dot so you build a real big kind of connection with your with your crew um, and it's really pushed because you all wanted to do best, better and better and better and better and better. Um, so that's a really nice thing. And I can't recommend actually, if you're not really sure what to do and you want to start something different, you know, rowing is a great thing to do at university. Um, and obviously I was quite genetically blessed for that. You know, the taller you are, the better it, better you kind of, better you are at rowing. Just, to, just it helps. Um, so I did that for kind of four years, graduated, what, well, graduated 2012. 2012, and it was always been my dream to move to move to London. I remember when I was at school, when I was about 13, uh, I, was in a I was in a geography class. It's quite a funny story. In a, in a geography class, and the teacher said, you know, who wants to live in in a city? And I think kind of out of a class of about 30 people, maybe two or three people put their hands up. And then the next question was, who wants to live in, put your, uh, you know, who wants to live in London? And I think I was the only one person that put my hand up in that class that actually wanted to go to London. And so it's always been, you know, it's not, it's not a thing to kind of do from going from the countryside all the way to London. It's not, I suppose it's more popular now to kind of come to the big, you know, the big smoke or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's always been from an early age to want to live in that kind of city and, and kind of feel it and you know experience what it is instead of just being a country boy so yeah I moved moved straight after graduating to London you know 2000 summer of 2012 um I got a job I was kind of interning I suppose well it was an intern I can't god it was a job it wasn't an intern it was a job and I was doing it for started and I just hated it I actually hated it when I was kind of doing six you know six days a week you know 10 12 hours a day and I just got sick and tired of it and what inspired me to become a personal trainer was the uh the summer olympics it was when the olympics were in london then and there was just a massive buzz and I was working but I always had you know up at the top of the screen the uh the olympics going on and I was watching them and loving it and I was like those guys are doing what they love doing and I'm here doing a job that I'm not particularly interested in it was it was good it was you know just kind of university and I was lucky enough I had a job in the first place but I didn't really like it and I and because it was sport as well I kind of realized I, I, I got to be doing something active I was sat at a desk looking around at everyone else at the age of what, 21 22 and thinking shit is this going to be the rest of my life sat at a desk and I kind of had to make a decision what I really really wanted to do so I quit that st stopped and then became personal trainer and really haven't looked back and it's the most it's the thing that's probably come come most natural to me ever um is teaching people uh, and i think that's what i love more than anything about personal training is teaching someone and seeing someone's progression from when they first start with me to two months two years down the line and beyond that kind of beyond that journey with me because i've always valued the strength of fitness um 
and health and sport for you know whatever it is if it's if it's just for building up your confidence because you feel like you look better or for your mental health or anything you really do see people's kind of mindset and just the way they stand the way they hold themselves you know from the first day they walk in the gym to you know two three four weeks later or months later when they're coming in and and they just look inches taller so it's one of those things that really really is massively rewarding for me um, yeah. So yeah, that's a bit of a background. I, I always, you know, it goes, goes on a bit. No, so no, I like it. I like it. Well, I'm, I, 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 it, it seemed to be a bit of a um, a common theme in the in the guests that we have on the podcast that they've all had this moment, uh, not necessarily a singular moment, but they've had this big transitional period, normally in their early twenties, where they're in a job, a decent job. So it's not like it's, it's a bad job to start with, but having to make that leap of faith into something that they're passionate about, I think, is um, is something that that everyone can can learn from because um it's never too late and i think there's lots of people even in their 30s late 30s 40s 50s even um who it's they can still make that switch and, and enjoy the rest of their lives because it is so so important what we do um yeah i think i think it becoming self-employed and not being you know an employee and taking control of everything is very very daunting you know when i did it you know suddenly my salary had slashed to nothing mm. you know i was i you know i had a straight university I had a salary and knew how much money i was coming in i was paying rent i was being able to go out with the beer beers with the boys or whatever and then I had to pay for a course and then the first day into the gym you know i was lucky it was you know it was a good gym and and they kind of supported me but for the first few months i made nothing you're talking you know a couple of hundred quid a week in London as well and you just <laughs> in London and you really you know I, I had to I had to you know graft and graft and graft and graft and the and then it just feels so good when you realise that I've done that all myself and you get you get rewarded you know the harder you work the more you know if, if you're doing it for financial security the more money you get we all need to be able to pay our bills and pay yeah. our rents and if you're a hard worker or if you if you're a grafter then you know, work for yourself because it's the most amazing feeling just to be able to kind of take control of it. It's been incredibly scary over the last year. Again, I feel like I've had to start from scratch again and I still haven't fully fully recovered yet. You know, I'm nowhere near where I was 18 months ago. Yeah. But, you know, we start again. We live, you know, we go again. I'd much rather be in this situation than let's say being made redundant or having to go back to a job that that I don't that I don't like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a really powerful message that no matter what the situation, if you're if you're really passionate and enjoy what you do, and you mentioned that that teaching piece, which I think is um, such a key driver for so many people, is being able to teach, being able to add value to other people. Um, I don't think any of us can ask for for much more than that from what we do. Um, so even if the finances do take a dive, at least you're still doing something that you're passionate about. Yeah, I think sharing knowledge is one of the most is one of the most powerful things that anyone can do. You know, if it doesn't it doesn't matter what knowledge it is, but just sharing what you know to other people, bringing people up, educating someone about something is the most rewarding thing you can do. Being able to for someone not to be able to do something for them that they can do it, and for them to be able to teach someone else to do it. You know. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're a father of two. You know what, what you're doing is you're teaching your children right to become a better person than you are, and that's the kind of the best feeling. And that's how you should be feeling with anyone, if it's your clients or your employees or whatever. That is your duty as as a role model or as a leader, I suppose, is to is to build the people up around you. Well, that's what I think, anyway. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and definitely as as a business leader, that's so so important because if you don't if you don't focus on developing your team in their own right then uh, those individuals won't won't get career satisfaction on their own and so they won't want to work in your location anymore so i think that's a really really important point so in in the in the view of, of giving uh, uh teaching and, and giving as much value as we can do through the uh through the audio or video waves um are there what are the key the key elements from your point of view maybe less obvious ones if you can think of any um, for staying healthy and keeping in shape, for example, are there any exercises that you that you tend to find give disproportionately large benefits for your clients and that sort of thing? So funny, I've just been I've just been doing some content and and it was it was a real thirty second reel and it was 
five ways that you can drastically increase your chances of hitting your hitting your goals and they were they're, they're simple um but they really do make a difference and it's all about tracking number one was tracking what you're eating you need to be making sure that you are not overeating or not under eating so you need to figure out roughly how many calories you should be on now if you want to be putting on muscle you need to be in a calorie surplus so you need to be eating more food so your body can build muscle um, and you need to be making sure you're hitting the right amount of protein Whereas if you're trying to lose weight, you need to be in that calorie deficit where your energy expenditure is the other way around. So you're going to be burning more than you're consuming. So that's always been number one to me is make sure you're doing that. And it's consistency. All of these are going to be about consistency. You can't do it for a week. It's lifelong or whatever. Number two was tracking your workouts. So many people out there, so many people I talk to, they'll just go in and they'll do it and they'll pick up a weight, what they feel like. But you need... Well, it's progressive overload. You need that. If you if it's just toning up or if you want to build muscle or if you want to gain strength, you need that progressive overload. You need to be challenging your muscles constantly. The whole point of being in the gym is that you, I, I think people forget that you should leave the gym weaker than when you walked in. You don't get stronger in the gym. You make yourself weaker in the gym and then between the gym sessions, that is where you're getting stronger for then when the next time you come into the gym, you're able to perform better than you did and it's not about lifting weight it's about maybe running faster or cycling further or being able to reach your toes more if, if you're doing yoga or you're, you're working on that breathing it's that progressive overload and it's through everything it's not just kind of muscle it's your heart it's your breath work it's your mental state that progressive overload on all of it is going to help you and then number three tracking sleep you know sleep is the most it's so important you know, if you sleep eight hours a day, that's a third of your life. And that's where our body is going to rest and recover the most. So if you've not got adequate sleep, and it's got to be good sleep. So I always recommend my clients to have six to eight hours a night. Um, and that's where you're going to get it. And then number four was water intake. So many people are dehydrated. Hydration is so important for you to so try and be hitting those two liters a day at least. And then the final one is 10,000 steps. I just say 10,000 steps because, you know, it's what we've been recommended. But that exercise or that movement, whatever you want to call it, outside of the gym is so important. It's going to increase that, you know, it's great for your heart cardiovascularly. It's going to create that more of a calorie kind of surplus, more of a calorie burn. It's going to get your metabolism working a little bit more just the exercise. So I always say 10,000 steps or 30 minutes of simple ex simple kind of exercise if it's a walk or a, or a jog or if it's just a stretch just anything that's going to raise your heart rate just a little bit more than what you're doing sat sat here sat down so kind of 10,000 steps or just 30 minutes of activity um, but then you kind of asked what kind of exercises I suppose and I've always said you know you've got to be hitting those compound movements you know people are only in the gym for an hour, 45 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. So you've got to be making the most of it. You know, all our, our time is incredibly precious. So compound movements where you're working more than one joint or more than one muscle group is the most important. And if you are time sensitive, then that's where I would be kind of putting most of my effort. And you've kind of got five, five major, major lifts that you want to be working on. You know, your squat, um, and your deadlift. Now they don't have to be conventional squats, they don't have to be deadlifts, but you need a squat and you need a deadlift in there. Um, you know, they could be single leg or a split squat, so you need to be working those. You need an upper body push, so a minimum you want to be working your your push-up or a press or an overhead press, working you know your anterior, your upper body anterior, upper body push, and then you'll be working a pull. So you know the king of pulls is a pull-up or a bent over row, that's what you're going to be working on. And then there's many different kind of variations of that. But you need to be work, you need to be making sure that you're getting in a good solid compound row. And then finally you need to be challenging that core and that working that stability. I love anti-rotation core exercises. Now anti-rotation is where you're you're holding something or doing something where that is trying to put you in the easiest way in into poor posture. So, you know, when you grab a cable and it's weighted and you've got to hold it out in front of you, that cable's wanting to pull you back to where it's anchored. Now, if you're fighting against it, you're still, but your body's working to keep straight and it's stopping you from rotating. So anti-rotation work is brilliant. You know, a plank 
is actually kind of anti-rotation if you're not dipping your hips down downside to side. So an anti-rotation, I think, is a great one because it's working those internal and external abs all in one. So it's a great bang for your buck yeah. core exercise. Love it. Lo- loads of value there. That's awesome. And then with, with, the, yeah. with the tracking point that you mentioned before, um, yeah. What what are you are you advising specific tech for that? I mean, obviously you can do it old school and write things down, but uh, I imagine most of your clients are using technology, Whoop bands or um, Apple watches yeah. or Fitbits. Are there anything any that you particularly prefer out of those? I'm speaking purely selfishly because I lost my Apple Watch, so I need to get something new now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. I think it doesn't really it doesn't really matter as long as it, what it's doing is tracking. You know, you can do. You know, I haven't used a weak band, but I've heard amazing stuff about it that mm. kind of tells you if you're over or under training, which I think is wonderful. So if you if you are really conscious about that or you don't feel in tune with your body, then that's a great thing. But you can track your sleep without even you know having a whoop band. Right? Mm. I wake up. I woke up this morning, and the first thing I said to Noah was. That was a horrendous sleep, right? And horrendous, and you know that was a bad sleep. So if it's a bad sleep, you know that you're not going to have recovered well and you're not going to have rested well. So you, you don't necessarily need technology to tell you it. It's just, I think technology can help you keep motivated. You know, I had an Apple Watch and for a while and they kind of gave up because it sounds weird, but I think I'm in a very privileged position that because I've you know, worked in the gym and being in fitness, I kind of know. Yeah, I know aware. if I've hit ten thousand steps a day without even looking at it. You know, I know when I've been underactive or 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 really active. Um, but I think I think you know the Apple Watch I used was absolutely brilliant. You know, because it has everything on there. I think it measuring your what was it your ECG and your VO two or whatever is like. You don't need to know that, you know. The, you know, it's a bit. Your heart rate is enough. I think you know they go far too down the line of it. You know, mm. we we're not we're not athletes, and for gen, general health, you know, your heart rate is great, and your steps is enough. Um, and then work out writing your workouts down. I, I used to have a journal. I used to just write it all down, and you know, get on Excel spreadsheets and put it all in. Um, or get an online personal trainer. Self plug. You know, find mm-hmm. someone that's going to do it for do it for you. And that's and that's what what I do as as a professional. And that's where the value of a personal trainer comes in. You know, I track everything that my clients are eating because I write the plan for them. I have I do a consultation with them. I find out what they do and what they don't like to eat, and then I'll create that plan for them and make sure they're hitting the right amount of calories, the right amount of protein, the fat and carbohydrate. And then keep on top of them to make sure that they're they're eating it. But if you don't have a PT, then you know uh, the the other one's great. What's what's everyone called? What was you use? I was I never I never use it because uh, my fitness pal, yeah. my fitness pal is great. Um, and then same for the workouts. You know, I make sure that my clients have got that progressive overload because I am controlling the workout. You know, I never. You know, a good thing is you don't really want to be doing the same. You never want to do the same workout more than once. Never. But that doesn't mean you can't do the same exercises as time before. You just need to be changed slightly. And that could be simply just putting in a pause on a rep, increasing or decreasing the rep, increasing or decreasing the load, working faster, working slower. But no workout should be ever, the, ever be the same because that means you're just staying static. So you need to make some sort of change, some sort of adjustment so that your body has got that progressive overload. So you just need to be writing it down. Um, and that, yeah, and that's where it gets a little bit more technical and that's where maybe a professional can help um, to make sure that you are hitting that progressive overload. But technology is great. I think, I think it's amazing. I think if people are not sure, then investing in a piece of any bit of tech, you know, if it is uh, an Apple Watch or a Fitbit, you know, most phones have a tracker on it. And it doesn't really matter if it's inaccurate because every day it's going to be inaccurate and you're going to have an average. Yeah. You know, if it's going to overstep you by 10 every day, it just means every day is going to be 10 extra. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. Your target is 10,000 steps. Does it really matter if you hit 9,000 steps? No, it's just a target. It's just about getting you up moving. Um, so technology is brilliant. Use it as much as, as, much or as, little, as, as little as you need. Yeah, I like that. As you say, it's just about awareness of these things, isn't it? And awareness of the value of them. And if that, if you're if you're aware of how you slept and you modify your um, 
your daily energy output accordingly then then you you're listening to your body and that, i guess that's the negative of tech is that it, it means that we lose touch with our own awareness of our own bodies um and if we rely too much on that technology then it can be um potentially to our detriment as you say if we're not with a, a professional so i mean how have you found that switch from from physical to online training um i know that for, for me i i i uh uh, I love having one-on-one chats with friends and, and, and business colleagues. Zoom just doesn't really give me that same connection. And I don't really know why. Um, I can't wait to start doing these things in person. But um, how, how have you found it at your end? I found it, there's positives and negatives to it. The negative is that I am not there when the client is training and I can't adjust them accordingly um, and make sure that you know they're doing everything correctly but the positive of going online training is that weirdly instead of seeing that client once a week and just concentrating on that one workout or maybe two workouts a week I'm now taking full control of it and I actually feel my relationship with my clients in a way has got stronger because I'm in contact with them more even though I'm not there and they will be more comfortable asking me a question if it's on the on the on the phone because there isn't that you know we're not face to face which can be a bit uncomfortable having a personal trainer can be quite intimidating so i think i've really enjoyed it and i've been able to see more people you know there's only a certain amount of people i could train a day and now i've been able to you know like i said the joy of my job is to share my knowledge and I've been able to increase the amount of clients I've had. Um, and it's just great to see the rewarding. And they take more control of it. They're not relying on me so much in a way because I'm saying, look, look this, is, this, is, this is you. I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm not there next to you pushing you fully. You've got to go and do that hour workout by yourself or with your friend. I'm not going to be there counting your reps. I'm not going to be there timing. So people take more control and I actually feel like people have hit their goals quicker doing it this way really? than my, um, yeah. That's fascinating. So do you think after lockdown, you'll, yeah. you'll carry on in, in a mix sort of hybrid format or will you go? Yeah, definitely. I still miss it. And, you know, once the gyms are open here and if I get a space here, then, you know, I definitely will do do some one-to-one training, but it won't be nearly as, nearly as much. I may mm. just train maybe once or twice a week, try and get all my clients into that kind of time slot but yeah i miss it i, I miss it terribly but um i love i love this online training it's fun it's nice to be sharing sharing more to more people yeah absolutely absolutely so let's take a bit of a, a, twi- a switch of track um i mentioned in the intro your um your experiences as a male model um Tell us a bit about how that came about and if it's, if it's a passion of yours or if it's something that just was presented to you, how it fits into your, your life now and moving forward. So it was, so the first gym, first gym I worked in was in uh, the Bulgari Hotel in London. And I think, you know, they only employed models. And when I started, I wasn't, I wasn't a model. And then I went in and everyone, everyone, you know, the girls and the guys, all the PTs were models. And I, when I first came out of university and, and whatever, never interested, never interested at all. But chatting to the guys and, you know, they were going off to this country or, or somewhere else to do this shoot. We've seen these people. And the more and more I was around them, the more and more they kind of rubbed off. And I was like, oh, this could be maybe possibly something that, I might be interested in and and so I went to it was my friend Chris I went to hit the agency he's with which was Models One in London and went in and and had kind of a, had a small meeting and they they said yeah uh, we're interested but we've got to put you or we've got to give you a, a test shoot to f- first of all and I was like What's, what's a test shoot? I was like, Chris, what's a test shoot? He was like, well, you just go and you know, take some photos with a photographer. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and my expectations of a photo shoot was what I've spoken to, you know, my sister, or you see on, or you see what online or any backstage kind of behind the scene kind of footage. Huge kind of studio with hair, makeup, you know, assistants running all over the place, photographer, you know, photographers, assistant photographers and whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's, I'm like, 
going to be shitting myself, you know, all the attention is going to be on me and it's going to be quite nerve wracking. But I was like, okay, then, right, let's, let's do it. And they said, yeah, we could find this really great photographer. He's just come out of this, you know, fashion, fashion university. I was like, okay, great. And they were like, cool, this is the address. And I was like, okay, cool. And the day I woke up, you know, sort myself out. I was like, all you need to do is take a few of your clothes, but they're going to have some clothes as well. I was like, okay, great. They're going to be having whatever clothes to wear. Um, and then I get on, I can't remember where it was, somewhere in North London. And I was like, okay, get the tube. And, he, and then he was like, oh, I'll pick you up. I was like, okay, that's nice. The photographer's going to pick me up and you know, take, me to, take, me to the, take me to the studio, whatever. And I get, I, and I get out and I call him. We go, oh, I'm, I'm here. You know, how long are you going to be? He goes, oh, no, actually, just, just walk. I'm like, okay, then, fine. Okay, cool, right. So I, start, I started walking and, you know, I'm on Google Maps. So I'm walking, 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 and then walking, all that. And then I start walking down this residential road. And I can see, you know, the red bit on on Google. And I was like, have I got the right address? This just looks like a house. I was like, mm, okay, I'm like, fine. And I turned up at this door, whatever number it was, it's called 27. And I, and I knocked on the door and I was like, well, this is a bit odd. Maybe the studio's out the back or, or whatever. And the, and, the, and the guy turns up, opens the door. And he goes, oh, hey, how's it going, Toby? And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, it was great. You know, we drank a cup of tea and been really friendly. I was like, yeah, I'll have a cup of tea. He goes, into, you know, we go into the kitchen and it's a cup of tea. And in the back of my head, I'm like, where, and I'm looking around slightly thinking, where, where are we going to shoot? And, and I, just, I just assumed that, oh, maybe, maybe he's got a studio at the back or maybe one of the, one of the like, rooms down here is, is a studio or whatever. And, and he was like, oh, okay, then, well, we're going to go upstairs. I was like... Okay, that might well maybe the studios, maybe the, my cup of tea, all innocent thinking like, ah, oh, I started going upstairs. He goes, oh, in here, here's my, here's my room. And he says, your room? And I was like, and we walk in and it's his bedroom. And I'm like, so where, where, where are we shooting? Oh, we're shooting here. And I was like, is there anyone else? He goes, no, it's just me and you. I'm like, what? What do you mean? This is me and you. Yeah, yeah just, just me and you. I was like, oh, okay then. And, and I was like, right, this is a, this is like completely my expectations were like way up here, and, yeah. I was like, and I was like, okay, then cool, this is what it is, and this is what it is. And and he was like, okay, I've got these bits of clothes for you to wear. What have you got? And I was like, I got this and this and this, and you know, I just had a couple of pairs of jeans and you know, some t-shirts or whatever. And he was like, I'll try this on. And he was, you know, he was not six foot four, and you know, he must have been five foot seven eight at the max and he was telling me to put on these trousers and i was like i can't even get into these trousers these are his, you know, these are his clothes who, are they? <laughs> yeah who, who's are these because oh they're mine i'm like what, I'm like, what? i was like yes yeah, so i was putting on his clothes I was like, oh, well let's just let's just stick to my let's just stick to mine and he was like okay then we'll jump on the bed and i'm watching him jump on the bed he was like right we're gonna first start shooting on the bed and it was just like it was i was like what is happening here and then we did we did a couple of we did a couple of um, you know looks uh, you know looks is when you're just wearing different outfits for anyone that doesn't know different a couple of different looks in his bedroom a couple of them on the bed and then a couple of them just like in the where where his window is or whatever and he's like oh we're gonna go outside now grab your stuff and then we went outside went down this kind of like down this alleyway and I'm like what the hell are we doing going down this alleyway like no and I was like, I was like it's going, nothing's gonna I was like nothing's gonna happen you know it's absolutely fine but you're just feeling that just like this is just weird and he's like right take your top off and all this and I'm like whoa 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 and you're like fine let's do it you know I, I just had that you just your mind just switches and I just had that like fuck it kind of Attitude, yeah. right? Fuck it. But what's the worst? What's the worst going to happen? Right? It doesn't, doesn't really matter if I'm in the street in just my pants. Like, <laughs> fuck it. What's the, like, it doesn't. It doesn't. If, if the photos look cool or whatever, and it just got like it just got worse and worse. I don't think I was. I don't know. It was in my pants, but I was definitely topless in some shorts or some trousers. And then starts pissing down with rain. He's like, no, just keep going. I'm like. <laughs> the hell is going on and he's like okay I think we've done enough and, we, and I think we went back I said goodbye and I went back and then you know next week or a couple of days or a few days later the agency called me and said oh we've got some we've got the images I was like great send them over to me and they send and then they send them over to me and I'm like they weren't they weren't amazing but I was like I was very impressed with them yeah and you're just like not impressed with me just impressed with how how amazing these photographers are at shooting 
something or someone in the most obscure kind of places, but they just have a vision to shoot in that kind of frame yeah. through that lens and shut out everything else around it, but just focus on that square or whatever size that shot is, just that frame. And you're like, wow, like how can how can you see that? I, I've got no photography skills at all still. Um, but it just blows it just blows your mind. So yeah, that was my first experience of <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I assume it went a little bit more of a modeling show. Yeah, and then yeah, it got a little bit, but but it was kind of from there anything anything was going to be kind of well, not better because I had a great experience, but anything's going to be just uh, you know more you know kind yeah. of more pumped up than than that. So yeah, kind of now I'm just like if from that straight away whatever a photographer within reason whatever a photographer said you know I was like cool fuck it just I just had that fuck it approach for the rest of it. And that doesn't mean, you know, I still get nervous or very uncomfortable in front of, in front of the lens, but you just got to kind of flick it. I kind of had a flick a switch in my head and decide I'm not Toby. I am Toby the model. Cause it does, it does, it doesn't come naturally to me really at all. It was, it was never a thing that I, I wanted. And I still, to this day, you know, if I walked into an agency and just said, my name is Toby Smith, they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take me on. You know, I've got to say thank you that my sister opened up the doors to that. And I'm under no illusion that, you know, she, she just helped me, not that she made a phone call or whatever, but just the association with her opened up a lot of doors for me. I'm under no illusion to that because, yeah, I don't why think do you, Why do you feel that way though? I mean, surely that's your own, that's your own self-visualization of how you yeah. look compared to how you think other male models look. Because I mean, when I look at you, I think you look like a male model, but obviously, yeah, in your own head, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, yeah, I, I, I still don't. I still don't. I look at the peers around me, and I always kind of looking at them, and thinking they're so much better. Blah 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 blah. And it's, it's just not. It's it's a weird industry because unlike personal training, I'm I'm in control of that. You know, the harder I work, yeah the the more I succeed. Modeling, you're you're purely judged on the way you look. And I can't I can't make someone give me a modeling job. It's only on my book or what my agent's telling me about me. So I've always just looked and compare and you do then you do just instead of just focusing on yourself, you automatically then compare yourself to other people. And you're like, well Jim's working more than me. Richard's working more than me. Ollie's working more than me. Sam's working more than me. Mm. And you're like, well, why are these guys working and not me? And I'm like, well, maybe I'm just not cut for this. You know, maybe it's just not not for me. And weirdly, my size, my size doesn't help at all. Because when you do start comparing yourself, you suddenly realize that all the peers around me are between six foot and six foot two. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference. I don't fit into sample clothes. I don't fit into a medium large. I'm a large, extra large. Yeah. And it's and it's everything. It's it's down to the shoes. You know, I'm one two sizes too big for that. It's down to the neck. If you're wearing a sh- if you're wearing a tailored shirt or a suit, ch- my chest is too big. My arms are too long. My legs are too long. <laughs> you know, it just it's just the way it is. So you know, that kind of the work that they get the day-to-day bread and butter work, if it's e-commerce or for smaller brands that have only got one sample size, mm. which you need to then get the bigger jobs because you need to be working regularly to then get noticed. I just never got, I never really got into a good kind of routine of that. Um, so I just, I knew pretty early on that I'd never be, never be as, never be working as much as those other guys. Um, and it was never a priority. It was never really was a priority. My fitness and my and my nutrition has always been my priority. So it's always been second. So I think at the back of my mind, it's always it's that that's always played on me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I've yeah I, I think I had a lot of kind of insecurities around it, not thinking that I'm good enough, not thinking that I just not thinking that I would be here if it wasn't for my sister or whatever. But I, I took it and I've and I love and every every shoot I've done and everything I've done and I love and I think the I think the the fitness industry, especially in London, is great. The men's scene is amazing. You know, everyone I've met in there has been 
so friendly. I've never, ever had a bad experience, you know, working for, if it's, if it's going to the events or if it's working for the magazines, if it's working for the brands, you know, I've never, ever had a bad experience. They've all been like amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I've been lucky. I've shot with some of the most amazing photographers in the world. You know, I've shot with the likes of, you know, Bruce Weber to Mario Testino, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're, they, they are the photographers, right? They're the yeah, guys, absolutely. if you talk to young photographers, they're the guys that they kind of look up to and they set a standard. And I've been so fortunate to be able to shoot with those guys. And it's, I tell you what, it's something else to, to be on then, to be on, a, to be on a shoot with them and just how it's like they're a puppeteer or they're like, you know, the, the conductor in orchestra. It's just incredible. And you just fully, you just kind of just trust them completely they make yeah. you feel just like and it just and, and then you and then you look at the results and you're like blows your mind yeah. away so you weren't in mario testino's bedroom then <laughs> <laughs> i imagine that one had a bit, bit, more, bit more production value around it <laughs> yeah oh brilliant um all right well let's um Let's move on from modeling then into uh, your latest venture, uh, which, as I mentioned before, is uh, is HW Labs. Um, so really, really interested to find out uh, where the idea for this came from, how it's all going. Um, I've obviously launched my own my own startup in the last couple of years, and uh, from everything down to the the packaging that it comes in, and and, and uh, the ingredient deck, and how it's manufactured. I mean, even today, I've been having a, a bit of a nightmare with it all, but. Um, Tell me how it's been going anyway. Tell me where the idea came from. So, you know, I think I was a very cliche, stereotypical personal trainer when I first started. I was like, I want my own gym. I want my own merch. I want my own supplement brand. All that kind of stuff. My ambitions were pretty big from, from the beginning. Um, and I've always had that in the back of my mind, having a supplement, having a supplement brand, having my own gym, you know, maybe that further down, have my own equipment and merch. And for me, as horrendous as um, COVID has been for us all, it was quite a blessing in disguise for me because I was able to sit in front of a computer and really work on my dreams. I haven't been able to work on just because I've been full-time PT and focusing on my clients, not focusing on what's next. And it kind of hit me when I turned 30. I was like, right, I've been PT, I've been personal training, loving that for the last six years now what's next now it's time now i've gathered enough information now i've gotten gathered enough knowledge i can now start putting that into some sort of product something that i can market myself um so yeah the 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 supplement came kind of first and came quite naturally to me it was talking to talking to noah and talking to other people around me um i've, I've always taken supplements from a from a young, from not a, not a kid, but early, early, early kind of teens or whatever, just to help support me if it's, and I always took vitamin C, I suppose that was the one, Barocca. We always, as, as, as a household, we always had Barocca, always had vitamin C. Uh, you know, mum used to say, you know, you can never have enough vitamin C. If you, if, if your body's not using it, you can, you just excrete it. But it's, it's something very, very powerful about it. So we always had it. And even though we were eating the most amount best about most about best what am I trying to say you know we're trying to eat the best food you know and our nutrition was spot on you know it's just kind of I always think that having a supplement just takes the guesswork away so if you're not unsure and it just comforts you slightly that you are getting it um, so that's why I wanted to do a supplement company and then why I, why I chose gummies was because well it was it's actually Noah's ideas Noah's and our, our brand that, that so many people struggle taking taking a pill, and I never really, you know, I I can take a pill with, without with water or without water, never had a problem. But the more and more research I did into supplements, the more I found out that the biggest one of the biggest kind of stop points for people to, of supplements was they can't sustain it because of the taking it. 
in the first place. You know, they struggle to take it. It tastes nasty. They can't take it anywhere. If it's a powder, you know, you need water. If it's something you dissolve in water, you need water. If it's a pill, a lot of people find it, it tastes horrible or they need water to drink it. So we're like, I it. Well, gummies, they're just as sweet and they help. And the more and more, then the more and more research I did in gummies, there's more and more research I found that it's much easier to sustain because one, because they're easy to eat and two, because they, they taste great. And, you know, it's that psychological kind of, it's a little treat, it's a little sweet you can have, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning. And if you have a sweet tooth, it, you know, it kind of works that way. So it was like, right, let's do, let's do gummies. And then we launched with hair, skin and nails. Uh, and that came from, because I, I wanted to bring in everything, everything around me. I didn't want to make it a fitness fitness supplement i wanted to make it a and i want to make hw labs a lifestyle brand not a fitness brand um because as much as i love fitness i'm not a gym rat and it's not my life you know i like to go to the pub and eat and have you know eat a pie and have a pint or whatever so it needs to be something to support a lifestyle not like some high-end fitness and you know one of the things that i was asked when I started modeling and then a lot of my clients came to me because I was modeling was, was what I did to make sure that my you know, hair was looking the way it looks and make sure my skin was clear. And I was like, well, I take vitamins. And when I did start my skin, I've always had problems with my skin. I looked into supplements. I looked into vitamins that I could take for it. Um, and so I started taking the same vitamins that are now in, in that bottle. So it, it kind of brings everything in to what to what I've been working on or doing for the last you know six seven years it brings in that kind of fitness and making sure that I'm looking in, looking good which makes me feel good and that fitness keeping healthy and getting the right amount of nutrients uh, and minerals in for me so that's kind of why I went for Heskin and Nails. Well yeah and you've, and you've launched it at a perfect time really whereas everyone has more of a focus on vitamins health obviously vitamin vitamin d's had a lot of time in the press um over the last last few months uh, which is a great thing i've always been a big advocate of vitamin d uh, and supplementation myself to be honest um so yeah that's great and and um how how have you gone about getting it all made like has it been a, a straightforward process um or it's made, it's made in the uk right made in the uk i worked with an amazing lady that is a specialist in uh, supplements. She's a supplement nutritionist. So we have loads of video calls and conversations, emails saying, this is what I want. You know, how can we make it? How can we make it work? These are the vitamins I wanted. So we kind of we, we came up with these are the vitamins I need. And then she put me in touch with a few, a few kind of manufacturers and then I found some myself and then it's just talking to one manufacturer to another. And the, the hardest thing I had found was finding a manufacturer that would work with me being a, a startup, being very small, because the, the minimum order is usually tens of thousands. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's one of my things is I wanted to make it small. I wanted to try and decrease the amount of impact that we had on the environment so make it small batch um but i found this amazing you know i found this amazing manufacturer and we worked really hard together and you know we found the right the right gummy we found the right vitamins and the right bottle you know i need i wanted to make sure it is fully recyclable um so we worked on a lot of stuff so it took it took time you know i started it took nearly a year until the product was in my hand, but I'm sure you understand as well. What pretty, a, pretty similar what for us, yeah. Twenty. What kind of hassle it can be? Start of 2019, we started um, the design process, and then started March 2020, we launched just in time for the lockdown. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I as I say, when I look at I look at things like these now, and I'm sure you do as well, with a completely different eye, and you think, right, how does that lid go together with that? Where's that? Who sticks that label on? Is it done with a machine? Like the the precision. The precision fit of your box around your um your your thing, all of those things like in my head now are like sparking off oh, memories. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> I'm and I'm and I'm still not happy with it. You, you know, you're like, oh, just you know, I wish that could be that this, and wish this could be this, and you know, this is our first batch. I've just ordered a second batch, and we've changed the label just slightly. You know, I, 
I didn't even think about having a barcode. You'll have a look on that and there's no barcode. And I think what I've had to do is Amazon are doing all the all the deliveries and they've stuck this huge sticker on it. And I'm like, oh, no. So now Killer, I've got a barcode. And the, whole, <laughs> and the whole hassle of getting a barcode, I didn't even realise that you could... The minefield it is, you can buy these fake ones or these official ones and these official ones, you know, cost some money. But I was like, right, I'm just going to do it properly, you know, buy an official one and and then put it to this and this. But yeah, yeah it's... Everything costs more than you expect, doesn't it? <laughs> it's something else. You're like, hang on, you know, you're told when you go to the manufacturer, yeah, it's going to cost this amount. Like, okay, cool. Uh, okay, then, uh, can you send your label? Yeah, the, well, the label is going to cost this much. What do you mean the label is going to cost this much? You just told me the price of the product. They're like, well, yeah. And, they said, I'm like, well, and this is the label. Like, well, can I have a little bit matty? Yeah, if you want it matte, then it's going to cost this much on top. I'm like, oh. So then suddenly a product that you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then you suddenly have to change everything when you start to take into account yeah. everything else. All part, all part but, of the fun, though, isn't it? Ah, uh, and it's been so much, so much fun. Um, but now it's you know I jumped on I jumped on the government uh, help last year and, and got and got a loan, um, but I'm going to start paying that back in two months' time. So I'm like, oh god! So and I put <laughs> and I just put all of that money into this, and yeah. now I'm like. Need to start selling now. Now it's got to work. <laughs> now it's got to work, and it's and and the great thing is it's selling, and now you know it's been launched for over a month, and now we're getting return customers, which is the best, the best, best feeling because people aren't then just buying it for a hunch; they're buying it now because it works, and that's and that's the that's the best feeling is the return customers coming back and ordering again. And, you know, I always write, I write them an email saying, thank you so much for the order and the feedback you get as if it's, oh, you know, my net, you know, odd stuff like, oh, yeah, I went to get my nails done and, and you know, my, the, nail, the nail artist, the nail beautician said how much stronger my nails were. And I was like, well, that's just that's amazing, yeah. you know, or my hair's like this or my skin's cleared up or my eczema's gone down. And you're like, that's such a great feeling yeah. that I've made something it's that big is changes. yeah big things for people you know it's not it's big changes not life changing or anything but it's the same as personal the same as personal training if someone now feels more confident or more comfortable walking in a room because they feel their skin is clearer or they feel their hair is better or their nails is better you, you know that's just it just puts a smile on my face i'm like that is what i wanted all i wanted to do is is kind of just you know, make someone more comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, it's a great product, as I say, and it, it is. It is. They are. They are delicious. My main concern with them is, I, I know it says only have like two a day, and once you, but it's, they're almost like Pringles. Once you pop, you just keep on, you keep on going. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, you got to be a bit careful. Yeah. But, you know, there's a, there's a few, there's a, you know, if you were to have, you know, I'm not saying, but if you were to have three or four, it's not massive problem, depending on, you know. You know, you're six foot four, so you know it all depends the the amount of vitamins we should be having a day. And if it's water soluble, you're you're okay. It's, mm. There are some fat soluble vitamins in there, um, so you've got to be a little bit careful. Over day, yeah. You know, just stick stick to two a day, and you've got no problem. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, love it, mate. And, and have you got? So there's there's you, you mentioned this is sort of like the first step. Have you got ambitions to to grow the category, grow the brand from from this first first product? Yeah, we're going to stick to this first product, um, get it rolling out, get it, you know, get it comfortable within our small market, and then yeah, I'm already back in my mind, already thinking of the next of the next products, solely keeping to supplements, and I want to have my whole range as gummies, and then you know from there we'll branch off if it's you know more lifestyle stuff, if it is um, fitness equipment or merchandise further down the line. Brilliant, yeah. love it. Okay, well, we're, we're nearing the end of the talk, so let's let's jump into a little bit of rapid fire uh, before we uh, before we finish up the uh, the talk. So, um, uh, what is your current favourite podcast? If you have one, my current favourite podcast. Yeah. I don't know the one that I always come back to, and it's the most boring because everyone listens to it. But it is the Joe Rogan podcast, and it's. It's number one for a reason, and the guests, and he's in a position now where his guests are just like, incredible, and it's always an inspiration. And just the way he communicates with people, I watched a few Instagram, not Instagram, YouTube videos on him, and how he communicates and how he interacts with his clients is something quite amazing. There's a lot of a lot of kind of 
science behind what he's even doing within his podcast. He's purposely the way he makes com- client, way he makes his guests comfortable, all that kind of stuff. The psychology behind it. He's really learned the art of of interviewing someone, and if it's the simple things of you know he repeats the last couple of words that someone says to make them feel comfortable. He will, the way he compliments someone, the way he says, Oh, that reminds me of this to change the conversation. If the conversation has gone down one way and he wants to bring it back, he'll say, Oh, this reminds me of this or, Oh, so the way he controls the conversation without you, without the guests feeling they're being controlled is amazing. Yeah. If you, you know, I recommend watching those look at like Joe Rogan's kind of like tactics of, how he does how he podcasts is amazing yeah but i think it's just brilliant and he's the one that i always always go back to any any particular guest that you you enjoyed him interview um the mike tyson one was great okay he did that i went down i went down a rabbit hole maybe a year ago and it was like just listening to all the boxing all the boxes he's had on there um but the mike tyson one was one that stuck out the most um yeah, that was good. Brilliant. And the Elon Musk one was quite good. Yeah, yeah, the Elon Musk one was scary. That wasn't rapid fire, was it? That wasn't quick fire at all. No, I it? like it. I mean, I call them rapid fire, but it's just so I can throw in a load of random questions that I want to hear the answers to. I don't care if you go long on them. <laughs> um, what is your favourite holiday destination? Oh, God, that's a difficult one. Mm. Um, Italy. I love it. I love Italy. Um, and we we booked. Uh, no, and I booked and we're like, right, I want to go to Italy. I didn't go last year, trying to go to Italy like once a year and booked down in, in Puglia, like the right bottom, like the heel of the boot, I always call it. Mm-hmm. And we booked it, we're like, right, we're going to go there for three or four days, found an amazing hotel, booked it all, booked the flight. And then three three days later, we had an email back saying, your flight's been cancelled. And we're just like, oh, no, just because, just because of COVID. I imagine yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, well, I imagine it's COVID. I imagine it's how I had enough guests. Uh, and as bookings on the flights, so they just cancelled it, and that was the only. They were the only company, the only flight that came out of Paris. So we kind of had to rethink, and we were like, "Well, we wanted to, we wanted to go to the south of Italy. We want to get a bit of sun." So it seems like the question, and we'll go there later this year. But we just booked to go to Menorca for the first time. So oh, lovely! I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I've heard it's yeah. great. If you haven't done, the, have you done the Amalfi before? Yeah. No, okay, okay. I'm waiting. To, I'm waiting until I've got serious amount of cash to splash there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it one of those places. expensive places, isn't it? But it is. It is very nice. I can thoroughly recommend uh, Positano as a, as a place yeah. to stay down there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd love la- to do Last that. rapid fire question: What do most people get wrong about you? Um, what do most people get wrong about me? Oh, that I'm a that that like. I think we get to talk to people is that people don't realize how much of a goofball I am. <laughs> right. It sounds a bit odd, but how much of a, how much of a, how much of just a goon and like just a, just an idiot and just kind of a buffoon I can be when I can, I'm quite close to people when I first, when I first meet them and it can come across quite um, like arrogant in a way because mm. I'm, I'm quite I'm quite quiet and when I'm not in a very kind of comfortable position I'm quite closed but the more and more people get to know me the more and more they realize that yeah I'm a complete just idiot and you know I'll dance about like a prat so yeah that's probably one of the misconceptions people have me is that I'm actually I'm actually just a complete muppet I like yeah. it I love that <laughs> brilliant okay mate well final question which is the question that we ask for um everyone in the in the podcast what is the one small change that you've made in your life that you wish you'd made earlier? Um, it sounds really, sounds really odd. And I think it's because of COVID, but it's making more of an effort with my parents and not taking them, not taking them from granted. Mm. And we're well, not, ta- not taking them for granted, but just having them there. Just, oh, my parents are always going to be there. And not that I was ever worried for my parents, but just not being able to see them, you suddenly get that, like, that, that, that fear and that want to be around them. So definitely that's what I wish I did. And not, you know, I'm, I'm 30, my parents aren't old, yeah. but that's something that 
I wish I made more of an effort with maybe in my early 20s was to make more of an effort with my parents to go down to my parents when I lived in London more because now I'm in Paris it's going to be even harder but to see my parents more and to and to get to know them um, better mm -hmm. and, and less of a father-son or mother-son relationship and more of just that like adult relationship and it's you know I speak to my parents now more than I ever have and I feel like I've got more of a connection with them than I have ever had before and it's a really I'm not sure maybe it's just because I've come you know got to 30 and that's what you do when you're in your 30s but yeah I feel like that's really kind of there's been a real shift in my relationship with my parents and I wish that shift came sooner yeah I think that's I think that's a really really good point I think it's so easy to whenever you see your parents just to be an autopilot in that you've all, they, they've always been around they're just there I normally see them on a Sunday so in my 20s I was normally hungover so it was um it was always um just a it was a very uh one-dimensional relationship I guess in many ways even though I'm very close to my family um it's very easy I think to fall into that trap and not be sort of present and aware aware of their presence um and i, I love i love that part because of, your mum's your mum and dad's always going to be happy when you come home right yeah. they're always going to have that big smile on it and then and then you you then you just one you start to act like a 13 year old boy again <laughs> yeah. what's for dinner mum or or you know can you do this washing or whatever which yeah. you know mums and parents would have loved to do but it's also kind of slightly taking a little bit advantage of it and I, and I, list, I followed something came up on Instagram the other day in a reel and it was this, this guy saying about the value of, of his parents and he was kind of he was saying look my parents he was saying my, his parents were in their 80s and he said I've got you know, one, one way of saying is I've got another five years with them I've got another five years with them. I've got loads of time and then he kind of said well I see my parents two times a year well, I saw my parents two times a year. That's 10 more times I'm going to see my parents. And that really hit me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's quite frightening. Yeah. So, and then what he said is when I looked at it that way, not how many years I have left with them being here, how many times I'm going to see them. Mm. Now, he, now he said he sees them, you know, every week, every month. And that that switch, that that really, you know, when you just watch something, it really hits you. Yeah. I think I call my mum and dad up straight away, and I booked, I booked as soon as I can now to go to the, you go to the UK. But it really yeah. suddenly hits you that wow, actually, when you think about it, if I'm only going to see my parents two, three, four times a year. That's not many times. Yeah, it's definitely less than a hundred. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to see. Yeah, and you're like, well, hang, there's X amount of days in a year, and you see people that you work with every day. But my parents less than that and that yeah that really that really stuck with me brilliant i love that mate that's such a such a powerful message to finish on i think that's a really a really <laughs> useful thing bit, bit deep. no i love it i, I it's it's spot on and, and it, I, I mean i live very close to my parents and i still probably don't see them enough so it is i think it's something that is very easy to regret if you don't find awareness of it early on in life so i'm sure you've made a big impact on a lot of people with um with that final sentiment well, thank you, mate, so much right, for the talk. So. Really, really enjoyed it. Absolute and, pleasure. Um, thank you so much, Simon. Really uh, wish you all the best with HW Labs. I'm sure it'll go from strength to strength. I'm probably going to pop a few now uh, after the talk. Great. And um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you when you're back in London, I'm sure. So thanks again. Yeah, love to. Cheers, Simon. Thank best. you very much. Bye. Hi, guys. Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.